Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Welcome to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Ian Fisher, and we are recording this on September 26th, just on the other side of the fall equinox, and this uh, episode will go up on October 3rd. That means that if you're listening to this, we're less than one month away from the first major deadline of the college application season, November 1st. In my work with students, I really tend toward one simple idea, do a little bit every day. Work on your essay supplements. Make sure you're tying loose ends together. Communicate with teachers and counselors. Don't leave anything to the last minute. And you can expect us to be here to help you as we draw nearer to these deadlines. So make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. And if you're feeling like uh, we really provide the kind of support that you need, we would welcome a rating and a five-star review or a, uh, so that I think it's five-star ratings and a review so that other families can find their way to this podcast. As always, we appreciate your support and your understanding when we get a little tongue twisted. Now, for today's show, we're going to take some time to talk about how to live like a student, though not in the sense of a messy dorm, but we'll talk about the sort of mindfulness and frugality that sets students up for long-term success. We'll also be talking about our college admissions bloopers, mistakes that we still remember all these years later. But first, we want to introduce you to an unusual program that you might not know much about, the Early College Program through Bard College at Simons Rock. Joining us today is the Associate Director of Admission for the program, Kieran Turney. Welcome to the show, Kieran. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really delighted that you're here. I remember seeing a lot of applications come through in our transfer process from um, Bard College at Simons Rock when I was at Reed College. I also saw uh, some applications from the high school that's attached there. Uh, I want to talk, you know, sort of dissect a lot of the different pieces of what your program kind of looks like. But for our listeners who are totally new to the concept of early college, I think that can be a little bit confusing. So can you help us to understand what early college really is? Sure, of course. I'd be happy to. Um, And we definitely have had some students apply to read, so I'm happy that you're familiar with them. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, So early college is something that is kind of simply what it sounds. It allows students to pursue college-level coursework at an earlier time than they would otherwise. And that can take shape in several different forms. Uh, Bard College at Simons Rock is the founding residential early college in the United States. And uh, in 1966, Elizabeth Blodgett Hall came up with this concept to allow young students the chance to really tackle college material earlier. Simons Rock has provided inspiration for many other different types of early college access programs, most of which students and families might know today as dual enrollment models or being able to take uh, college classes online while concurrently enrolled in high school. Gotcha. And so this is slightly different than, say, taking a class through the local community college or some sort of concurrent uh, credit agreement that you might see in that your students are actually on campus there at the Simons Rock campus. Is that right? 
Yes, that is correct. So for Simons Rock, our campus is fully residential. Um, it is a four-year college, and our students who are taking classes at the college level early are going away to college as if they would any other college. However, they're doing so before they would have graduated high school, so after 10th grade or 11th grade. And so this is really a chance to tackle uh, the intellectual material and take on big picture and world problems before the traditional timed model would allow them to do so. And that would mean that when they finish that four-year course of study that they have a bachelor's degree at that point and could presumably enter the workforce? That's correct. So they uh, would have a bachelor's degree after four years. Uh, We also have the opportunity for students to earn the associate degree after two years. Um, So a lot of our students will come in and start working on the liberal arts and science curriculum right away. They'll earn their associate degree after two years. Um, And then they can plan their final two years of college after that. They can either stay at Bard College at Simons Rock to finish the bachelor's degree They can go on to Bard College, who is our uh, parent school in New York State, or they might transfer to another uh, four-year institution to finish their bachelor's. Very interesting. So, you know, a lot of the students that I'm working with and and younger students that we talk to in our counseling sessions, as they start to enter 10th or 11th grade, they're starting to think, can I take AP classes? And how many AP classes can I handle? And what are colleges kind of looking for? And I think that that's a a pretty common question for high school students uh, as they prepare for college level coursework. But it sounds like there's a small slice of that student population that might say, you know, AP classes are not the thing for me. I'm not really interested in this dual enrollment. What is it that tends to push a student towards considering an actual early college program as opposed to taking, you know, one of those more traditional programs that's available within the high school curriculum? Sure, that's a great question. So students who might be uh, seeking a a different option or potentially going away to college early uh, likely have experienced one of several different things. Uh, Either they are advanced in one or more area of academics, and so they're really needing that higher level of uh, of challenge, whether it is college or AP um, or uh, online classes. They've mm-hmm. done maybe some other summer program, um, potentially at a university, um, very common for our students. They've done CTY or Duke TIP or something equivalent, and then they realized that their high school or their local options might not offer something, but that they really thrived in that kind of environment. Uh, they might realize that in their own high school or within the options they have op- offered them, that they're bored in class. They don't really want to just follow a a curriculum that leads to a test that leads to a number and that they really are interested in learning. They want to spend time digging in with their peers, with their teachers, who don't always have the time in, in AP or IB or other curriculums that really have a certain amount of time to get through a certain amount of material. Um, so I think our students who are looking for those challenge or others who are looking for access to this intellectual challenge uh, really want to put the learning back into their education, and they want to grasp that love that maybe they had in middle school, which maybe in high school they've disconnected with. 
Gotcha. Now, I was uh, reading through one of the visit reports from one of my colleagues who went out to visit um, Simon's Rock and and noted that the average age when students start is about 16. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering about differences in the on-campus experience uh, between Simon's Rock and a four-year college where a student starts at 18 and a boarding school where students are typically coming in at 13, 14 years of age and starting their high school career. Is, is the, you know, barred early college more like a college experience in residence or is it more like a boarding school experience? Uh, I think that's a, a great question. And I think that's something that a lot of prospective students and families uh, ask about when they're here. I think when students are considering Simon's Rock, they hear early college, yes, I'm going to be totally free and independent. And, <laughs> and parents think, oh, boarding school, they're going to have a curfew and they're still going to be, um, you know, someone's going to be uh, with them every minute of the day. <laughs> so it's somewhere in the middle. Gotcha. So our students who are coming here, yes, are typically 16 or 17 when they're starting. They're starting after 10th or 11th grade in most cases. Um, and so they're very much still coming into their own. They're developing socially and emotionally, uh, academically. They're certainly developing their interests. So we have um, multiple layers of support from uh, professional adults who are residence directors who live in the residence halls with our students um, to meeting with their academic advisor on a weekly basis when they first start um, that will allow for a smoother transition um, and really allow students to focus in on what they want to as part of their learning process in and out of the classroom. Now, you sort of mentioned um, what students can do after two years. Um, And I think that that's really interesting, right? So you've got a four-year program there and students could complete that four years and get a bachelor's degree. But many students will earn the associates. They'll apply as transfer students to other colleges and universities. What is it that sort of tends to motivate students in different kinds of directions on that front? What are they considering? Maybe you have conversations with them um, along those lines. You know, what, what sort of informs that choice to either stay put or to want to transfer elsewhere? Sure. A lot of students also come in knowing that they're going to do one or the other. They have it dead set that they're going to do their gotcha. associate degree and they're going to go to whatever other schools they might have in mind or that their parents have in mind for them um, or the other way around. They might, you know, come here and they really have loved Simon's Rock and fallen in love with it during the process, um, but then have been exposed through the liberal arts curriculum uh, to something that they might want to study that we're unable to accommodate. Um, You know, we are a small school. We're 450 students, we offer 35 majors, so there's a lot of, um, you know, pluses to that, but I think sometimes um, if a student is looking to transfer, uh, a lot of that might be academic. They're, they're looking to study something that we can't do so in-depth, like in particular business, um, so they might be transferring to a specific business program. Um, the, I think the reason a lot of students want to stay at Simon's Rock for their third and fourth year here 
would be the autonomy that students have. Uh, we hmm. really have a, a lot of uh, one-on-one individual support in the upper college, uh, what we call the junior and senior year here. Um, students are really asked in their sophomore year here, second year, to plan out junior and senior year. Will you be going abroad? Will you take a tutorial, which is one class, uh, I'm sorry, a one-person class with a professor? Will you Mm. do an extended campus project where you can create a semester anywhere? What will you write for your senior thesis, Uh, which could be anything from a a traditional 100-page research paper to a full Elizabethan play in iambic pentameter? So, um, you know, students really who stay here have a lot of individual support and can direct their own research interests, their studies. That's really cool. And, you know, I, I think that as I was learning more about Simon's Rock through my colleague who represented that part of the country, I, I was never the territory manager for the Northeast uh, or the Mid-Atlantic. But my understanding was that Simon's Rock is really sort of peerless, that there aren't a lot of other programs that are anything like it. And it's a, whenever Simon's Rock sort of came up in an admissions committee, we always had to sort of get a reintroduction to what was really special about that program. Are there other programs that are similar to Simon's Rock that have that are either newer or um, that had already existed? Um, you said that this was the first early college, but are there other options for students that like the sound of something like this, but maybe it's too far away or they're looking for something that's a little bit more urban? What do you know about other comparable programs? Sure, and I think uh, peerless is a yeah aspirational. That's really a great way to put it. Um, but I do think that you know Simon's Rock is unique in the four-year residential factor of our early college program. There are gotcha. some other programs out there where you could go early, um, but maybe uh, maybe only for one year. Like maybe you'd only uh, go after your junior year, whereas we can go after sophomore or or junior year of high school. Um, There are some students um, who will make use of that dual enrollment model. I think that's the most common that we've seen. Um, But we also have students who are interested in um, early college programs that are popping up. I think a a lot of different colleges are doing them. Um, Boston University has Boston University Academy. Um, Clarkson Mm -hmm. has the Clarkson School, which is in northern New York State. Uh, there's Texas Academy of Math and Sciences, which is at the University of North Texas. I know Texas. that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. And there's, uh, you know, the Robinson Institute at the University of Washington in Seattle. Um, but all right. of these have kind of specific things, like either they're not residential or they're for a limited amount of people, or you can go only one year early. Um, another I should mention is Mary Baldwin in Virginia. Um, so there, there are pockets of things, but it's not exactly the same as Simon's Rock. Um, but there are some schools based on Simon's Rock called Bard High School Early Colleges, and those are also part of the Bard Network, uh, which follow the dual enrollment model. So typically there are going to be students who are still enrolled in, in high school, but they're pursuing their associate degree through Bard uh, and will graduate with both their high school diploma and associate degree uh, in those high schools. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, I, you know, I think we also saw, um, you know, occasionally we would see students that wanted to apply for college early on 
in high school. They were saying, you know, I'm going to leave early. I'm actually not going to graduate. I want to come to college as a junior for Reed or for, you know, other four-year schools. And I think that that always poses a challenge because I think admission offices are really curious about the maturity level of an incoming student, given that it is a college environment. And I think this is sort of a happy medium where you said it's kind of in between and, and you're more poised to be able to welcome in students who are at 16. But I, I do think that there still probably is some level of maturity that is required. Can you speak briefly about the uh, application process? Because it seems to me that applying to Simon's Rock is a little bit more robust than a typical college application. And I think our listeners might be surprised to hear that your expectations are in some ways more stringent than what even barred college might be looking for from its freshman applicants. Certainly. And uh, I, I do think that, you know, to your point about a certain level of maturity and motivation, uh, yes, uh, our students are younger, um, but I think some of the, you know, things that we see across the board in our student is that, you know, curiosity, that intellectual uh, desire for challenge, uh, to want to be uh, with like-minded peers, students who are motivated, who really want to engage and go to class. So uh, there is a certain level of, you know, self-motivation that is that we are looking for in the application process. Um, I have to say that we do require um, a, a very in-depth, holistic application. Uh, we are on rolling admissions, uh, and we have two start points. So we have uh, the ability for students to start in our fall semester, which is in August, or mm-hmm. our spring semester, which is January. Um, okay. We really, students can really apply anytime. Uh, the biggest thing that, um, you know, we do want to get to know is the student and their story. Why are they wanting to go to early college? Uh, why is this uh, something they're considering? And what can they contribute to the Simons Rock community? That's actually one of our essays, Why Here, Why Now? Um, the other essay that we're asking of students is to do a critical analysis of one of two quotes by W.E.B. Du Bois, who was born here in Great Barrington. And um, we really want to get to know the student, their ideas, a sense of their writing. Uh, Writing and thinking is prevalent throughout our curriculum, and it's actually the name of our orientation, the Writing and Thinking Workshop. Uh, It's something that we look for in the application, although we're not looking for perfect writers. I don't know if anything like that actually exists, (laughs) Um, but we're looking for somebody who wants to put that attention to their writing and hone the craft. Uh, We're also looking for students who have done well in school. Uh, This might translate into different uh, results. It might not be that perfect A transcript or 4.0. There's so many different variations of grades and scales that we don't have a minimum GPA. Um, And we're, of course, willing to look beyond those grades to the classes, what students have taken, and within the context where they've taken them. Um, You know, some students who are only in 10th grade may not have had access to AP classes yet, but they've expressed that desire to, um, and maybe they're on an all-honors track or they're taking classes outside that show challenge. Um, You know, we want to get a sense of that student's ability in the classroom. We do ask for a lot of recommendations, two teacher recommendations, one non-academic recommendation, the counselor recommendation, and also a parent recommendation. To kind of capture all of this, we interview every single student, and Mm. it's specifically an admission counselor who interviews the student. Um, Like many, I got my start in admissions being a senior interviewer at my alma mater and became an admissions counselor after that. Um, But at Simons Rock, we we do all of that work ourselves as on the counselor side to really get to know the student and, and see if this is a good fit for them, as well as are they a good fit for Simons Rock. Um, these application um, 
these applications are not going to include testing. We're, we're test optional. No SATs or ACTs are required, and most of our students have not taken them um, by the time they've applied. Perfect. Uh, these Great. are a, a lot of requirements, and I have to say, you know, having worked at other highly selective and selective universities, uh, we learn a lot, and the process is very similar to my previous institutions, um, but, at, but we also get to say yes uh, a lot more than I have in the past, and it, it really feels good to find a student who, for which Simons Rock is a good fit and um, give them that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a really exciting place to be in a really, you know, unusual program, but th- there's a lot of real positives that come from that as well. And I hope that if our listeners are interested in a program like this, they can, you know, find information on the web. And, and maybe if you're a parent of a ninth or 10th grader who's particularly interested in deep learning, uh, you can take a look at, at Simon's Rock as a possible option. Uh, Kieran, I want to thank you so much for coming on our show today and, and helping introduce us to early college programs. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure to be here, and students can definitely go online to learn a little bit more. Perfect. Well, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to explore the silly side of college admissions with our own blooper reel. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like, uh, but I invite you to stick around after the break and find out with me. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. 
That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Now, before we launch into our next segment, uh, I want to shine the spotlight on a school in the South. Uh, Maybe you can guess which one this is before I tell you. What university claims the distinction of being the first state-chartered university in the country? Which university's athletic teams have earned 29 national D1 championships since 2000? Which university has graduated seven Rhodes Scholars in the last 20 years and 99 Fulbright Scholars in the previous 10? It's none other than the University of Georgia. Whether you're interested in studying finance, computer science, international affairs, or journalism, you'll be able to study what you love together with nearly 29,000 other undergraduates at UGA. Approximately 10 to 15% of students who are admitted early action will be inviting, uh, invited to join the university's robust honors program, where small classes, special opportunities for undergraduate research, and even graduate-level coursework is made available to this select group of high achievers. As amazing as the city of Athens is, UGA students are eager to spend time abroad in one of the university's 170 study abroad or exchange programs. In addition to sponsoring traditional academic programs, the university also provides resources for students to pursue international work, internships, and volunteer experiences overseas. Fun fact, Teach for America, Delta Airlines, and the Walt Disney Company are among the top employers of recent UGA grads. And if we're in the state of Georgia, you know what that means. We're going to keep it in the state of Georgia as I welcome my colleague Tova Tolman to the show. Hey, Tova, how's it going? I feel like I need to follow that up with go dogs. Go dogs. Is that something that you guys say in Savannah? Go dogs. Uh, that's kind of the only thing that's said. I don't think anyone spells dog, D-O-G here. It's dogs, D-A-W-G. Go dogs. Gotcha. Well, it might be something that you want to fix with your kids before they enter into the world. Um, or maybe not. Maybe it's just a sign that they're from Georgia. Um, now, we're supposed to be talking about bloopers. And I think you and I should be offended that whoever was organizing the show decided that they wanted to put you and me on the blooper reel. I don't understand what that decision was. Um, it seems mm. kind of right to me. Highly suspect. Uh, highly suspect, although if people could hear us trying to figure out the audio just between these two segments, um, that was a blooper reel in and of itself. (laughs) Um, But we're talking about bloopers as it pertains to the college application process. Um, I want to have some funny music going, but I think we'll skip that. Let's start with some bloopers that we see in the application itself. It's got a lot of different pages. There's, you know, information provided here and there. Do you have some examples that you can recall or that you've got from our colleagues in terms of bloopers in the application itself? I do, I do. And it's my new favorite. Uh, a, a colleague sent it over only maybe 10 minutes ago and I actually laughed out loud. I hope I can deliver it with um, <laughs> the same level of authenticity. It was yeah, in an international... What's that? No, no, no. It's just a lot of buildup. I hope this is funny. Oh, right. Oh, I hope I'm not setting it up for uh, failure or disappointment here. In an in international supplement, the question was, what is your visa number? Right? When you're not a U.S. resident or a citizen, you might need a visa to be living here. And in response to, what is your visa number? The student responded, I'm not using a visa. I will be using a MasterCard. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. I, I feel um, like we need some, at least like, but I'm ching sound effects to follow these up with. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have that. Um, so I think that that's very unprepared like, today. Um, you're taking these things pretty literally. I think that you can run into a really serious 
blooper problem if you let your parents fill out your application because whenever they ask questions about you, you start speaking as though you're the parent. And then it can be very obvious that you're filling out the application on behalf of your student. I think to avoid that one, you're just going to want to let the student be the one that fills out the application. I think that tends to be (laughs) the most appropriate way uh, to go ahead and, and do that. Um, what about other pieces of the application? Are there places where you see common missteps uh, or where you saw some in your time in admission, Tova? Well, you just uh, led to one right there, which is the email field. Big mm. sign that it's mom that's filling out the application and not the kid is when the email address is momofthree at gmail.com. Right. That's usually not something that a young man, 17 years old, is going to have as his email address. Usually um, not. I do remember, though, there were a couple of instances of some really sort of off-the-wall email addresses that we saw, and I think students don't necessarily think about this when they create their email account when they're 13 years old, Uh, but you should probably think about creating a new email account when it's time to start applying to colleges, especially if your email is barbiegirl insert inappropriate number here at gmail.com, right? You want to make sure that everything that you provide is professional or else admission officers are going to take a look at that and pass it around the office. Um, Did you have, I don't know if your office was like, I mean, like every other office, which is to pass around sort of mistakes or errors like that to keep things light within the group. There might have been a wall where things were taped to and printed out on the back of a door. I will not speak at which school or, or really admit to it, but uh, it's possible that such a wall existed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, admission officers are often looking for some levity in their day. They might share some things uh, across different spaces um, just because they're reading 30, 40 applications and sometimes something can catch the eye. They're only human. Now, of course, uh, identifying information of the students typically removed in this regard, but you can bias an admission officer against your application if you make a series of bad choices on that front. Um, you can also just forget to review your application for typos, misspelling your own last name when you're typing in the name of your your parents, um, you know, in putting commas where period should be. Um, these are simple bloopers. They're not something that are necessarily funny, but I think they're mistakes that students might make when before they're submitting their applications. I see a common one in the major field when a student maybe was sending that application to many different schools, but would forget to, hey, maybe change something. They listed, let's say, nursing as their major, and now they're sending it to my school. And our school doesn't have a nursing major. Hmm. You know, do you really want to attend our school? Is that really what you want to major in? Then why do you want to attend our school? So not taking the time to check over those pieces as well. I think that's actually something we saw a lot at Reed. We don't have a business major, and we would see students that were applying for business at a lot of schools, and so the major that they indicated they were interested in was business. Now, we didn't read by major at Reed, so it it wasn't like we were putting those students into a separate pool, but we did have some question about, do you really want to come here? Like, have you you done your research? And so I think that a a little tweak of, I'm going to change my first choice major to economics for those schools that don't have business, just shows a little bit of care. And it's an easy thing to do before you press submit for schools that don't offer the major that you're prioritizing. Because let's face I mean, students have two choices. They're often pulled in different directions. That's fine. But you got to make sure that your application's representing those interests. Um, let's Absolutely. talk. Let's move into the essay. There are often bloopers in essay spaces. Um, 
probably, you know, more than I think students, well, they more than students want to know about, but they exist all the time. You come across some, some major issues. What are the ones that we can tell students that they can make sure to avoid uh, that, that occur relatively commonly? I'd say the most common come from relying on spell check as your sole source of proofreading, as opposed to reading it over yourself carefully, slowly, aloud. Spellcheck isn't going to pick up certain things when it's still a word, but not the word you intended. Perhaps the greatest cringeworthy moment was one that we saw that did make it to the wall with the students identifying information removed. A student wrote this wonderful, really thoughtful, very sweet essay about her summer volunteering uh, at the hospital. And unfortunately, she spelled candy striper with two P's instead of one P, Ian. Uh, it made a different word, changed the entire meaning of her essay again and again throughout the essay. And uh, to say we cringed and laughed a little uh, was a bit of an understatement. Right. And that's something that spellcheck's not going to catch because both of those things are words. Nope. So you're not going to see any red underlines. Yeah. But it is something that I think is a good reminder to have a parent or a friend read your essay and just make sure that you don't have those sorts of mistakes. Um, I actually told one of my students just last week, um, he had, I think, one spelling error. And I told him, I found three typos in your essay. Now, I didn't actually find three typos in his essay. I only found that one. That's so mean of you. But I I wanted him to hunt really, really carefully for errors just to make sure that I hadn't missed any and he hadn't missed any. And he came back to me and he said, You know, he only found found one. Right. He's still trying to find that other typo. (laughs) He's still looking. No, he he told me he only found one. And I thought, you know, that's fine. So, you know, you want to do that sort of fine tooth comb across your essay, um, especially your personal statement, right? Because that's the handshake that goes out to every single admission officer. Office. It's your first sort of introduction of self, uh, and I think it's really important that you you represent yourself well. Now, Tova, we got some problems with some essay supplements, um, especially because mm. you know kids that are working smart, they're going to reuse content from other schools to fill out different kinds of essays, and I think that's really smart. Uh, but you can make mistakes when you do things like that. For example, you can. For example. The time I read a great essay about the Huskies and how the student wanted to be a Husky, uh, that he was sending this uh, supplemental essay to Northwestern. Now, I'm not sure if he was recycling this content or if he was confusing mascots between Northwestern and Northeastern. You see, Northeastern are the Huskies. Northwestern are the Wildcats. And I'm not sure everyone listening happens to know that off the top of your head. You're not expected to, but I'm pretty sure everyone at Northwestern knows they're not the Huskies. So that one might be something to be a little bit more careful of in the future. I I just think there can be sometimes bloopers around overusing the name of the mascot to describe a school. Um, You know, we have at Reed, we had a griffin on our seal, but griffins is not our mascots. Like by any stretch, like people don't talk about the Reed College mascot because we don't really have any varsity athletic teams. So it was so funny for students to write essays that would say, I can't wait to be a part of the fighting Griffins or whatever. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like that's that's not a thing that exists. So you want to be careful that you're not making assumptions about the college experience in general that apply to each individual school, but you know, maybe don't apply to all the schools that you're looking at. Um, what about other instances of 
copy paste uh, sort of going awry. Oh, I can't tell you how many times we saw it. And that's why I want to go to NYU sent to us at Fordham. Right. Not NYU. Also right. New York City, but not the same school. Not even close, right? Very big differences. And so that's another thing to sort of make sure that you're reviewing and verifying and um, in, in the essay. So give them a, a fine read. Now, any other big bloopers about how students interact? I actually had a student once that I interviewed who at the very end of the interview said, do you think I would be a good fit for Rhodes? And I said, I don't know. Oh, I, I work for really? Reed. Um, it, was, <laughs> it, was a pre- it was a pretty bad interview to begin with. Um, and that sort of sealed the deal. Um, but that was pretty okay. rough. Any other sort of bloopers that you see from students when they're interviewing? Oh, I, I, this wasn't the student's fault and I didn't hold it against the student, but you say that reminds me of a time that a dad at Barnard pronounced our school Barnyard. And I couldn't tell if he was just making a joke, making fun. I, I think he actually thought Barnard was pronounced Barnyard. It, 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 it was hard to keep a straight face. No, I, I do think that actually it is important as a student to find a way to keep your parents in check in some cases. Um, you can't, I've, I had interviews where the student would come with the parent and the parent would sit right next to us at the table, like in a coffee shop. This is when I was doing on the road interviews and you'd have the parents sitting there listening in and it was cringe inducing because I'm, I'm sort of like, can I help you? They're looking at me, listening to the conversation, the students talking, <laughs> um, make sure that you as a student are able to draw a line with your parent and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this interview. You don't need to be here for this. Why don't you drop me off outside? Or when we go into the admission office, I'm going to be the one that's speaking on my own behalf uh, and, and representing myself. Um, anything else? Any other stuff that, that people should be wary of or conscientious about? Or are we just freaking people out that there are tons of mistakes that they're going to be judged? I think we, I, we might be doing a little bit of that. We are, although we're reminding people about the importance of spell check. I think all of these mistakes could have been avoided by a little bit more care, a little bit more attention to proofreading, making sure you're not rushing through the application. I think if you're taking time to review your application a good week before it's due so that you're not rushing at, at you know, 11.59 p.m. before the deadline, these are pretty easy to avoid. Yeah, the difference between having this be something that you can laugh about a few weeks later and something that's cringe inducing because you can't get it back is whether you took the time to, to review, to be thoughtful about what you're submitting uh, bef- well in advance of the deadline. If you review after you submit, boy, I don't even know if you should do that. Um, you should probably just no. not ever mm-hmm. look back at what you submitted. Um <laughs> Although you can, I don't, you could file a correction. You could send and say, hey, I meant to include this, but I, that's almost worse. Um, I think it I is because you're drawing attention to something that might be missed. It could be overlooked. That's right. Um, anyway, if you have more questions, you can send them to Tova directly. Uh, Tova, <laughs> this, uh, we successfully talked through the bloopers. Um, I'm sorry we didn't have the, the funky music, but thanks for coming on and, and helping us all feel okay about the mistakes that we make. Always my pleasure. Awesome. Folks, when we come back, we're going to talk about how to live like a student. And thank goodness we are not bringing the blooper reel to that subject. Don't go away.
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show, and thanks for sticking around after the last segment. We had a lot of fun with that, and I hope you all enjoyed it, too. Uh, Before we get into our final segment, I want to let you all know that the College Coach team is currently extending a friends and family discount to all of our radio show listeners. So if you're feeling a little pressure at this point in the process for your senior and you want the support of our team of experts, go ahead and get in touch with us directly. You can reach out through our website at getintocollege.com, where you'll see all the faces and profiles of the guests you hear every week on this show. We'd really be glad to support uh, any of you listeners uh, in your college application process. All right. So with that, we're going to turn our page to finance and I'd love to welcome one of our longtime favorite guests back to the show, college finance expert, Michelle Richardson. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Ian. Thanks so much for that very kind introduction. 
Of course. I'm, I mean, I mean every word of it. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about living like a student. I don't think we're going to talk about inflatable couches and pints of Ben and Jerry's, but maybe. Uh, well, what do you as a college finance expert mean when you say that, that we want people to consider what it means to live like a student? You know, when we talk about living like a student from a financial perspective, we really want students when they're in college to be fiscally responsible. Um, when I worked at the medical school, we had a, a message that we always told our students the, the first day at orientation, and that message was, if they live like a student... If they rather, let me rephrase that. If they live like a doctor when they're a student, they're going to end up living like a student when they're a doctor. And uh, I think you can interchange that occupation with engineer or attorney or or any uh, occupation. But we really want students to be uh, aware uh, from a money management perspective while they are a student. Right. And it's a great opportunity to turn over a new leaf. I mean, if you've never been financially independent, if you've never had a chance to manage a budget, you get a great chance to do this in college. So can you give us uh, some examples of good financial choices that students can make when they're in college? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like you said, oftentimes we find that when students get to college, this could be the first time that they're managing money on their own. So You know, some small examples in making good financial choices could include simple things like watching their dining out and and making sure that they're uh, maximizing the meal plan that they or their parents are are paying for. Um, As a mother of two children that just went through college, I have no doubt I paid for food that they didn't eat because they, they didn't maximize the plan. Um, and if students uh, live off campus, you know, it's a great opportunity to uh, learn to cook, perhaps meal prep. Not only are you eating healthier, but if you buy in bulk and, and split those grocery costs with your roommates, that can be a great way to save money on food. Um, another very simple thing are uh, re- using a refillable water bottle instead of buying bottled water every day or maybe spending $5 a day uh, in getting a, a coffee at that on-campus uh, coffee shop. So uh, if you bring your water and coffee with you or perhaps fill up uh, at the dining hall when you're going through, that's, a, that's another great way. Um, walking or biking um, and reducing your transportation costs. Um, it can be very costly to keep a, a vehicle at school, not only with just parking costs, but if you get a parking ticket, um, that can be a, a hefty little bill to pay when, when yeah. you're a college student. Yeah, I got a couple of those, uh, one in grad school and one in <laughs> undergrad, and I'm still unhappy about it. Uh, but I remember when I was an undergrad, you could get a very, very discounted rate on a monthly bus pass if you just went up to the registrar's office. So, you know, there are a lot of typically arrangements that schools have to help with transportation. These are some good sort of small examples, uh, you know, for helping around the edges. Are there any larger examples for students to make good choices that can positively impact their financial future? Um, Sir, I think housing is is a big one. Um, Look at Austin campus housing and, and have roommates. I know when my son uh, 
after he was a freshman, he lived off campus and had six other roommates in this house that they called the Goat House. Um, that was a little scary, but um, he was able to save a, a lot of money that way. Um, another option to save money on housing is to perhaps become a resident assistant on campus for your sophomore, junior uh, year, so you can have a free room and board. Uh, who wouldn't want that? That's a great way to, to save um, a few thousand dollars uh, a year. Um, another thing are... Uh, Think about where you're buying your books and supplies as a student. Um, Don't go to the bookstore on campus to buy your paper and pencils or or even your books. Um, There's a lot of other more cost-effective ways to uh, maybe you want to rent books or uh, buy your supplies um, at a discount or, or dollar store. And um, with the holidays coming up, I know it can be really uh, easy for students to go to the bookstore and, and want to buy that campus sweatshirt for every family member. Um, don't get stuck in that trap of buying every piece of college gear at the bookstore. That can get pretty pricey as well from a, a clothing perspective. Yeah, and I, I mean, this trend that you're seeing towards reusing um, clothing, reusing books, I think it's great for the environment. It's also really great for those cost savings because used goods are always going to be less expensive than new goods. I remember being in the bookstore when I was a sophomore in college and someone was in there taking down the ISBN numbers for all the textbooks. And I asked, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to get all of these books on the secondary market. I just have to have the numbers to be able to look them up. So there are a lot of different smart ways that you can uh, save some money um, Uh, on a big level. Um, Now, uh, how does living like a student sort of fit in with the rest of the financial expectations students deal with in their college years, Michelle? Um, Good question. You know, it really comes down to looking at when you're a student, how those small choices that you make on a daily basis can really affect your bigger financial picture. Um, Oftentimes, students are borrowing and maybe utilizing student loans to pay for their daily living expenses. And if you're paying interest on food and and beverages that you are purchasing, um, that can really add up. I did a a quick calculation, and if the student today spent $5 a day during an academic year for four years in an undergrad program, Um, If they borrowed today at 5% interest, that would actually cost them $1,400 extra in interest um, and over the life of that loan. So a student may not think, oh, you know what, if I spend $5 for that coffee or go out and and grab lunch um, every day, for $5 that that's not going to make a difference. And, and it really can make a, a big a difference. So really uh, students want to make sure that if they're borrowing, they're really stretching their dollars and, and using those dollars in a very uh, responsible manner. Great. So, you know, as we sort of think about this, these are a lot of uh, small ideas, medium-sized ideas. What about sort of the the big picture? What are some, you know, additional financial expectations students should be aware of uh, in order to live like a student, to live smartly? Yeah. So, um, one thing that students and parents sometimes aren't aware of that is 
just because a student offers a school offers them a, a loan um, that they have to take out and maximize that full loan amount. Um, as students are in college and they're learning how to manage money for the first time, you know, we talk to families about setting financial goals when in college. You know, uh, if you are a student and you're looking at an undergrad program, what is your starting salary, a realistic starting salary, going to be once you graduate? And there's a, a rule of thumb that as a student, you don't want to borrow more than your starting salary uh, once you graduate. So, you know, that's a... a financial goal and an expectation that today's students should be aware of as they think about living like a student. Um, also, students, you know, it'd be very helpful if they learn how to create a, a budget or the new buzzword for that in the financial world today is called a spending plan um, and in order to maximize their, their dollars and uh, manage competing priorities. You know, do you, as a student, want to eat for two weeks and spend $100 on groceries, or do you want that new pair of jeans? Um, So think about, you know, competing priorities and what is really important uh, as you are a student and plan for their financial future. I think sometimes uh, graduation and and getting a job and looking at the future can seem like it's a long uh, time away, but oftentimes students are hit with credit card offers, and so you want to make sure that they're responsible with any credit in building a good credit profile, um, watching their credit usage, um, and I always encourage students to get a job and learn how to manage money on a smaller scale before they get to that larger paycheck. Get a job is always great advice. <laughs> I love that. It's a great place for agree. us to finish. Yep. So, Michelle, I want to thank you so much for your time and your insight today. And uh, I want to thank you as well for providing all this behind-the-scenes support. You know, people don't don't necessarily hear that when they tune into the show, but you help produce our finance segments every week, and we really appreciate that. Absolutely. I really enjoy it. Thanks so much, Ian. All right, folks, that's it for today. Now, next week, we're going to turn our attention to some of the younger high school students out there with a discussion of all the ways that ninth and 10th graders can set themselves up for high school success. We'll also give you some tips for your conversations with high school counselors as you're drawing the admissions process to a close. And we'll talk about the cost of applying applying to college, just how much is it anyway to send out all of those applications. Until next week, keep on moving that ball down the field and whatever your goals may be. I know sometimes the tasks we have to accomplish in this space can feel titanic and overwhelming. Our best advice is to take small nibbles at your to-do list rather than trying to wolf it all down in one go. Before you know it, you'll be across the finish line and we'll be here to help you celebrate. So have a great week. Enjoy the month of October. Keep your head down and enjoy. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.